Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mahita Talks. I'm your host, Sherry Altergat with the CX Edge. Today, I'm so excited to have Alex Reed. He's the Chief Commercial Officer at V Simple. I know many of you have probably gone to some of their bourbon tastings at different events, um, have probably met Alex in the past. Um, we're really excited to have him here with us today. So welcome, Alex. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you, Sherry. It's my pleasure. So I always like to start um, just getting to know our guests a little bit better. So I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit more about V Simple and how you got started in this industry. Yeah, no, V Simple is uh, was born in this industry. It's really interesting uh, backstory. The company um, started uh, a technology down a technology path, really to solve customer experience challenges. Um, and quickly recognize that a lot of businesses want to help their customers, but they need to solve their, their internal challenges before they can be a, a better steward to their customer. And so the first company that really challenged us on this um, was a large dealership in uh, the equipment distribution space uh, right in our backyard in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, and they gave us a shot and they said, hey, if your technology and your service that you pair with that can make us better as an organization, we think you'll have a tremendous opportunity uh, in the equipment distribution industry to help a lot of different businesses. And so that was early 2021, um, call it a pilot, a trial, whatever. It was hugely successful. Um, we started with just a dozen users in a small use case um, to help them with order management, order processing. Um, it's evolved to this point where I think there's 250 users within their company operating within vSimple every day. And so we, we didn't, create this business to specifically solve challenges for the equipment distribution uh, industry, but we just found a wonderful fit and the community of people uh, just are really well aligned with how we like to operate as a business. We're relationship driven at the end of the day. Um, one of our core values is relationships over transactions. Um, and, and we felt welcome from the first event that we went to uh, up to today in the space. And so it's, like I said, it wasn't uh, the original plan to, to serve this industry specifically, but um, we're so fortunate that we found it. That's such a great story. Thank you for sharing that. And it's funny, you know, a lot of people in this space kind of fell into it in a lot of different ways, but somehow people always find their way to it. And it's always cool to hear that. Um, you had mentioned the customer experience and you know, that's like one of my loves and We've had a lot of discussions about the customer experience in the past. Um, and I still think today when people say words like the customer experience, you know, the definition of it varies between the person you talk to. It's come kind of this, you know, trendy word, a little bit lofty. So how would you define what the customer experience is? Yeah, I mean, it, the customer experience is the sum of a lot of parts, um, as you well know. Uh, I think the simplified version that that people discuss the most is the journey, right? What are all the steps that a customer goes through um, from, you know, initially becoming aware of a product and service all the way through to buying, to post-purchase support, things like that. The layer that I like to add on to that is within each of those stages, um, there are qualifications to how positive that those interactions are going to be. There's timeliness, there's cost, there's ease or friction or difficulty. Uh, there's clarity. Is, are there things that are confusing? 
So I think it's it's taking those steps along the journey and really evaluating the the quality of the interaction with the customer on all of those different scales. And it's an ongoing effort, as you know. There's always opportunity to improve, to do things faster, to make it easier for a customer to deliver more value. Um, and so it's it's it, you know it, it involves so many different working parts in a business that. I think we've talked about this in the past. There's no CX wand that you can wave or just a person you drop in the organization and say you own it. It, it really takes right. focus and commitment to um, to thinking comprehensively about all of those different touch points and, and how they can improve. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think, you know, you mentioned the journey and that the journey that the customer goes through is part of the experience. But I think the one piece that people forget about that I know you do a lot of work on is those internal processes and how, you know, internal processes that you're doing amongst your company inside can have an effect positively or negatively on the customer experience. Um, how do you kind of look at internal processes affecting the external customer experience? Yeah, I mean, this is where we really got started. Um, we wanted to give customers the opportunity to give better visibility to their customers um, about how things were going. If it's orders, if it's um, customer service tickets, you know, having um, centralized communication around that transparency around the status of items and what we found was that customers couldn't even give those things to themselves, our, our customers. Um, so when you have a lot of confusion internally and chaos around processes, or you have communication that's living in emails and spreadsheets, it's very hard to identify where you have bottlenecks, where you have um, information holes or gaps. Uh, and so what started um, as a customer experience platform for us has started to come full circle because what we're helping companies do is better organize their own operations, um, get things done faster, more accurately, and with more transparency um, to the data and information. Uh, and in turn, they can deliver those same qualities to their customers. Um, so like I said, if you take a customer service uh, ticket example, if it goes into a black hole and I don't know who's working on what, have parts been shipped, um, you know, what are the next steps? When am I going to know what the next step is? Um, that's fairly typical in business. Um, and it's not because customers don't want to provide that transparency. It's like I said, they don't have the systems in place today to be able to answer those questions for themselves. So um, we are starting to see our platform have that positive impact on customer experience because we're making their own internal operations better. And I love that you guys are talking about it from that perspective, because, you know, I think to really impact the customer experience, it starts internally. And so many people focus on just those external elements as opposed to looking inside ourselves sometimes first and looking how that's affecting everything else. So I, I love that position. Um, you know, being in this industry for a number of years, I would say that this industry stereotypically is not an early adopter of technology. Um, I've also seen a lot of companies grow from really small, more mom and pop organizations and really kind of explode over the last 10 years. And with that have kind of bolted on different types of technology, which in some cases have actually made their processes more convoluted 
um, because they're kind of doing bolt-ons and things like that. I was wondering from your perspective, what are some of the factors companies in the space should look at when exploring new technology to improve their customer experience? Yeah, I mean, I think your observations are, are spot on. Companies, we have an expression that we see over and over again, companies focus on what they do, but not necessarily how they do it. So if they make something or they move something, they're really good at those items. But when you look at the office operations, they just, they get it done. And like you said, sometimes that's because there have been solutions and band-aids stitching things together over time. And you end up in this place where it just looks really janky. Um, you find dozens of steps involving a bunch of different systems and platforms. And um, I think that is, is normal um, because you put out a fire one at a time. But I think what businesses are finding now is that you really need to take that comprehensive look at your operations. And that's not to say you're gonna change them overnight, um, but being able to take that first step of mapping what is being done, where, and by whom is a really important first step, just understanding that. And that's usually where we start, um, because if we just throw a technology over the fence and say, hey, you told us you have issues in this space, we think this can help, you're gonna end up doing what you've done with all these other technologies. Uh, so we start comprehensively, but then we do start in a smaller place. So let's tackle one use case, one process, one piece of the operation, knowing that these other areas are out there. And I think that's an important part of evaluating is thinking about it, one, holistically, and then two, realistically, you know, from a roadmap perspective. I mean, how many times have we all been through the big implementation of some heavy enterprise software? It's 18 months, multiple six figures. You think it's going to be a cure-all for everything. And then at the end of that exercise, uh, it isn't. And everybody's burnt out and frustrated. Right. Um, and so I think really to your point or to your question around um, how should you evaluate it, I think just looking really pragmatically about what are we going to solve first and over you know, what period of time? And then what does it look like long term? So we're not just slapping something else on to, to put out this one fire. Um, and then having a good baseline of what you're trying to solve. Too. I mean, that should be the problem statement should be very clear before you invest in any technology because you don't want to look back after six months and say, did we do what we wanted to do? And nobody knows what the original goal was. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think that's so important to kind of have that broader vision of what you want the whole thing to look like, but recognize that you don't have to do all of it the first day you know, that it can be a process and it should be a process. Um, I remember I, I when iPads first started coming out, I got an iPad and I got the app that was uh, to have all my passwords in it. So I'm like, finally, I have all my passwords in one place. And I brought it to work and in the course of one day, I entered in 15 new passwords with 15 different logons. And that was just going through my normal daily activity at work. You know, and so just the time it takes to log into that many systems and none of them talk to each other, I think ultimately affect the customer experience because it affects the employee experience too, you know, and how they interact. Yeah, I mean, it, it is the, the amount, the volume of software and technology has exploded over the last um, couple of decades. And the gap we saw was not necessarily in technology, it was in the way it's delivered, the way it's curated for customers and in the way it's supported. Because I think there's wonderful technologies. If you've got a problem, I can almost guarantee there's a technology that would support <laughs> it. 
where I see the shortcomings is, is like you said, just it gets implemented and there isn't a game plan and people are confused about why they're supposed to use it, how they're supposed to use it. And so I think what we're going to see in this next wave is this pairing of, of service and technology to, to focus on the results, not just on, on, you know, putting in a new technology to say we're, we're solving it, but what, what actually happened on the other side? Um, at least that's our, our view of where things are going, because I don't, like I said, I don't think it's a tech issue. I think it's really the, the strategy side where, where things tend to fall apart. I agree. It's kind of the shiny new ball effects that you see something new and you want to go after it. And all of the best intentions are put towards sure. doing that. It's just not a full vision. Um, so who do you typically think should be a part in an organization, who should be a part of really making those decisions about technology deployment? And I ask this because historically, you know, it was really an IT initiative because it had to do with technology. In today's world, I could argue that everything has to do with technology, you know, and um, not that IT shouldn't be a part of these decisions, of course they should, but I also think there's other areas that make sense. So what have you seen in terms of committees or people involved in making these decisions? Yeah, I think it, the, I'll preface it by saying, I think it depends on the size of the organization. You know, a larger org may have a CIO or CTO who is forward thinking, really putting that roadmap together and working with key business leaders for different functional areas. In a smaller to mid-sized company, um, and I'm generalizing, but a lot of times IT is more focused on you know the hardware and getting people set up with their systems and things like that versus more of the technology roadmap ownership. And in that case, I think it's important to engage multiple levels within the organization. And I don't mean from a turning it into a democracy where everybody's vote counts the same, but more in the sense of like a racy matrix where you have folks who are responsible, you have folks who are accountable, you have others who are consulted, and you have others who are informed of the decision. But when you do that, you're saying all of these groups are going to be impacted by the technology implementation. Um, we need to have different levels of engagement depending on who they are and what their role is. And mapping that out in the beginning, who those stakeholders are, and again, they can have a voice. Um, they may not have the decision-making ability, but we want their input. Um, that's a really important part of, of bringing it on board and because I think the leadership can have great vision um, and make the right decision as far as technology goes. But if the right groups aren't informed at the right times, then you can have some things, you know, best case scenario, they just get derailed. Worst case scenario, you know, it fails upon implementation because groups were uncoordinated. So um, there's no, I, I don't think there's one, you know, I, I, it's not just the president. It's not just IT. I think each one's going to be a little bit different, but mapping out, understanding who those stakeholders are and where they need to be involved, I'd, I'd say is an important part uh, from the onset. All right. No, I, I totally agree. Um, what are some of the biggest roadblocks you've seen with trying to implement new technology? Yeah, I think time is always number one, right? It's kind of like the um, you know housekeeping items um, that you can just, put off and put off um, because we're busy. We, we're growing, you know, it's great. We'll do that next year, next month sort of thing. Um, I, I, I think the other thing is just, we, we tend to get comfortable with the way things are. There's a little bit of inertia in business. Um, 
which is always scary words, you know, when people say, because we've always done it this way, <laughs> that right, exactly. CX folks are really <laughs> sensitive to, but I, I, I don't think it's an aptitude. Um, and I don't think it's that there isn't um, a good fit for, for the technologies. I, I really do think there's this trade-off of, well, this is going to take a lot of time. There's going to be some friction in changing the way we do things. And that's always a little bit daunting to people and easy to kick the can on. Um, and, and that's you know where I go back to the pairing of service with technology. Uh, anything you can do to remove that friction, because there's going to be some. Anytime you bring a new variable like that into an organization and ask people to work differently, um, there's going to be a little bit of a challenge to overcome. But if you can do that thoughtfully with great support, um, great communication, um, then I think you can get past those hurdles to adopting new technology. Yeah, I agree. I mean, with anything, right, there's going to be hurdles. I think I've seen more in the technology space than some other sure. initiatives I've seen. And I think usually because it's because of the number of people it affects. You know, the more people it affects, the bigger roadblocks there's going to be just because of sheer numbers. Um, yeah. And let's and be I honest, I mean, we all get people. burned out on right news. like we we have so much tech in our lives you're like oh another another screen a new no. technology i have to learn and uh yeah i mean that's why it's so important to just to be thoughtful about it because we you got to know what you're you're up against and it's not like people are like pumped oh a new b2b SaaS platform that you know i, I mean you have some people sure but by and large it's just like it, it feels a little bit like a burden and so um anything you can do to reduce that burden is going to help with the ease of implementation agreed and you know i want to go back to you know we talked in the beginning about having this vision but having focus um at the end of a project, at the end of implementing a new technology, how do you really evaluate if it was successful or not? I think you have to start that process at the beginning. You know, again, stating what are we trying to accomplish? Um, having baselines is something that we've really started to focus on. So if, if the goal is to reduce errors um, or to increase speed of a certain process, um, whatever it might be, it's fine to say those things, but if you don't have a baseline for the current state, it's gonna be really difficult when you get six months down the road to say, did it improve those things? Right. Um, and so taking that time um, to, to make sure that you're attacking the right things, um, I think is the most important to evaluating uh, now whether, whether it's had an impact. And I tend to oversimplify things sometimes, but I think there's really two reasons you would buy software in a business. It's either gonna reduce costs in some capacity, or it's going to help you increase your sales and revenue side. Um, so top line or bottom line impact. Now you can get there a lot of different ways. Like I talked about time savings, error reduction, speed, better customer experience. Um, but I think listing those out and then having the before clearly identified is, is the best way to get that answer at the end of it. Agreed. Um, so often I think they do it at the end in terms of evaluating success. And I think it's such a great point to kind of have those benchmarks up front so that you know what you're working towards. I think that's a really great point. So Alex, you have made it to the lightning round of Mejita Talks. All right. um, it's a very exciting place to be, I assure you. So we did these lightning rounds. I have 10 
um, quick questions I'm going to ask you. You're just going to tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. We do this just to get to know our guests a little bit better and have a little fun with our podcast. So are you ready to enter the lightning round? I'm as ready as I'll ever be, Sherry. All right. (laughs) I try to start off easy and it gets progressively harder. Um, What's the worst thing you've ever eaten? Durian. I have recently. Very smelly. Is that the one where people either think it tastes like garbage or they think it tastes really sweet? Like it could go either way? Yes. I don't think there's any in between. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was on the garbage side. Okay. Bummer. <laughs> um, if you had to live in another country, which country would it be? Canada. That's a good <laughs> What would you do for fun if you were stranded on a desert island? Uh, swim. <laughs> what is at the top of your bucket list? Ooh, uh, travel, I'd say, broadly speaking. <laughs> <laughs> There's no rules here. You can answer however you Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what's something that you currently like doing? uh snuggling with my kids on the couch what's your favorite winter activity uh snuggling on (laughs) with my kids on the couch in front of a fire (laughs) what hobby would you love to start uh it's more of a restart for me but piano uh really enjoy playing but i i've fallen out of practice if you were an alcoholic drink what would you be bourbon that one's too easy being a kentuckian (laughs) (laughs) on a night out with friends are you the first to go home or the last one out first to go home and with an irish goodbye i usually sneak out (laughs) the irish goodbye all right in a zombie apocalypse what would be your weapon of choice steak I think, is that what you kill the zombies with? Or is that vampire? Uh, I don't know. I have not like killed a, a zombie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I'll go with steak then. Um, <laughs> or maybe running shoes, because you just have, you don't have to be the fastest, oh. right? You just have to be faster yeah. than the other person. You just have to not be the slowest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Alex, you made it through the lightning round very successfully, I might add. So thank you for that. Um, Do you have any parting words you'd like to leave our listeners with? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for for having me. I've enjoyed the conversation. And then to the audience, um, if there's anything that you want be simple to get engaged with, the cool thing about the way we work is uh, we do that baseline type activity like we were discussing, where we just take a survey of operations and see if there are areas to help. And we really do pride ourselves in that whole kind of low pressure sales model of like, let's just take a look. And if there's a fit, then we'd love to partner with organizations. So um, if it's customer experience, if it's internal operations, um, we're always happy to help organizations and and we're just excited for the year ahead. I think there's a lot of cool things happening in this industry. So uh, those are my parting words, but thank you again so much, Sherry. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you for being a part of this. And um, I hope I'll see you at convention, if not before then, but it's always a pleasure uh, picking your brain. So thank you, Alex. And thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next time on Mahita Talks.